Hello, everybody. Welcome to this week's episode of MGR Unplugged. We are again fully loaded. However, today we don't have a whole lot of time, so we're trying to um, keep this to about uh, half an hour, 45 minutes if we can. Um, we're so loaded both on the podcast and outside of it that we really need to reduce time for this. So uh, David is with me. We have a few topics. We're going to start with uh, probably after you know reviewing Quibi, which is the, the app that we discussed about, we talked about, I think, uh, two weeks ago or so. The wild success. Yeah, hold on. Don't, don't give us uh, disclaimers yet. Actually, um, it's been about a month now. It's been a month, yeah. Okay, well, we'll discuss it. Um, we have a lot of things, uh, a little bit of uh, economics update and um, some other uh, market news as well as uh, e-commerce news as always. So but before we get to that, let's just get started. None of you people can tell me Lower the lights down. Hand over my crown. Hand over my heart. I do this for my town. I do this for my crowd. So turn me up real loud. My time. My time. None of you people can tell me to stop. All right. Welcome back. So uh, David, how are you today? I'm good. I'm good. You're How good. Are you? Okay. I'm I'm fantastic. I was a little bummed out. I said last week I was going to be going to um, the Circuit of the Americas in in Austin, Texas, and uh, we're ready to go. I should be on the road actually today, Thursday. Yeah, today to be there all weekend. And uh, unfortunately, Texas didn't let us go in. Um, they canceled. You know, I didn't say it on the podcast <laughs> last week, but I thought you were being a bit optimistic well the, the governor actually was uh okay he opened everything but the county where the track is they said that they still didn't didn't feel comfortable with racing events and all that stuff on the track so they they sent us a note on monday but, I mean, saying racing is very essential i thought it's I an think. essential business but we are we have social distance unless we kind of hit each other yeah. you know so we we keep our our cars separated we wear facial masks suits Head socks, balaclavas, all kinds of stuff. So I don't know what the contact is or the virus. Plus, we travel very fast, which I don't think viruses travel very fast. They you outrun the virus. Oh, I, I leave the virus, the virus. Where behind? I mean, that's not not even a contest in the in a, any kind of race. I would beat the virus. Well, I mean, no, no question. Okay. Regardless uh, of that, let's move on. Yeah, regardless of that, we're not going to Texas, but I will go into uh, to another track that is very good. It's local. It's in Tucson, actually, or off of Tucson. It's called uh, Indy Motorsports. I'll be there next uh, tomorrow morning. Actually, I'm leaving very early, five o'clock, and uh, we'll be uh, practicing all day. So I'm I'm very excited about that, which means that I'm busy. I need to get working on my car, <laughs> which is the very busy. stuff. All right, on a more um, uh, business news, uh, David, I, I wanted to start with uh, Quibi. Actually, it was funny because you 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 listened to an interview with um, uh, Jeffrey uh, Gazenberg. I think it was with Jeffrey, right? With Gazenberg. I didn't listen. I read an Oh, interview. you read about it. Okay. Um, yeah, and he basically, was basically just fine. Quick <laughs> recap on Quibi. Uh, you know, they launched, it was actually a month ago, a little over a month ago, and, uh, you know, Quick Bites, Quibi, 10-minute videos, blah, 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 blah. I think most people know what it is by now. Uh, it's been a complete failure. And so Jeffrey Katzenberg came out, and, and it was a New York Times interview. And uh, he basically said, this is not, I'm not making this up. This, he said exactly this in the article. His quote was, I blame everything on coronavirus. Everything. That's what he said. 
Okay, glad to see you're taking responsibility here because coronavirus, no that, coronavirus. That and the users that didn't download we, the app. We were saying back in what January, December, before any coronavirus. We stuff, said it actually when when they were doing the commercials for the Super Bowl. Remember? But even before that, that I remember, I remember we were getting it. the graphics. No, for I one know, of the highlights. I know in February, but I mean even before that, because the Quibi has been announced for like a year more uh and i remember i was like mm, i don't think this is a good idea i think this is terrible execution here and uh so i don't think coronavirus has anything to do with it in fact people are consuming more content Absolutely. than ever because they're Absolutely. bored at home if this is a good time to launch it's basically coronavirus everybody's running out of netflix his, his argument was well because our content was intended to be on the go that's why it's like quibby like short videos mm -hmm. uh and i said okay maybe that's true but people are still watching plenty of uh five minute youtube videos they're just not watching your shit because it's shit yeah yeah well um we we, we did say that when um and i have nothing against quibby or jeffrey kassenberg anything or against the people i just think how many times have we seen a startup raise hundreds of millions, in their case, billions of dollars? I know, and they have all these with celebrities. No justification other than the fact that the two founders are basically famous business people. Right. But right. they launched this service focused at Gen Z and millennials. I don't even know, you know, founded by two people, neither of whom are Gen Z and millennials. They are like super boomers. They're both old. That's why I always say that uh, past performance does not guarantee no, uh, future no, results. No, especially not and when you're uh, doing something that neither of them have really done. I mean, she was the CEO of HP, which primarily is these days more focused enterprise uh well and uh, when she was hardware. ceo it was more the traditional hp computers printers and things like that so and then katzenberg you know he was the head of a studio but that's very different from being the head of a studio is very different from uh, launching from scratch a media company there's a different skill set that comes into taking over something that already exists yeah and running Disney Studios. Well, it's like, like I said, every day is day one. You can't really rest on the laurels and just think right. that just because you did something great last time, you, every day. Even the marketing, like, like they were their whole marketing campaign was, I'll be there in a Quibi or just a Quibi. And it's like... Didn't work out. They're trying to make Quibi a vocabulary, like people use that. Like a verb. Like, like, a, like I'm Googling this or I'm, you know. It's terrible. I mean, the marketing should be, hey, we have great shows. These are the shows. And like I said before, I said, if I were them, they're hiring all these old school celebrities, but they're targeting like Gen Z. It's like, you know what? I'm sorry. Reese Witherspoon is great, but Gen Z doesn't give a fuck about Reese Witherspoon. That's just the truth. They should have gone and gotten YouTubers and TikTokers right. and all these people and made content with them. That's what I would have done. But of course, they don't, the two founders are not Gen Z or millennial, but they're right. trying to target them. Right. So anyways, but it's coronavirus's fault. We yeah, take no I mean, responsibility. Like many things. I think that's going to be the line for uh, a lot of CEOs these days. So uh, speaking of, um, the graphic that we have there is actually looking at uh, consumer spending. We, we already kind of... By the way, is this accurate? Because it says today's. restaurants and bars are only down 26%. I didn't well, that's for the previous... It's March. That's... Um, in March 2020. Okay. I mean, this is not still the last right. record, but this is from uh, Yahoo uh, Finance from today. So, but the bottom line is that we already talking last week about retailers that are going to fail, and, and some of them already filed for bankruptcy, as we know, J. Crew and and uh, <clears throat> uh, Neiman Marcus. Neiman Marcus, and now <clears throat> Jesse Penny and Nordstrom are kind of on the verge. Jesse Penny, 
I think they did already. They're asking for financing or something. Uh, they haven't yet, but it's looking like they yeah. will. And Nordstrom has already announced that if they don't get some kind of uh, good, good financial help, they may have to do the same thing. So we know that. I mean, it's just it's just the nature of the beast, and uh, which reinforces more how how important it is to to have an online presence these days. I mean, even even Amazon is running out of. Uh, Can I ask you though? I mean, I think you know we discussed this a bit, but I just think there was too much. Like, is anybody really gonna miss J. Crew? Uh, I mean, when was the last time you went to a well, J. Crew? Well, I'm not a J. Crew guy. I don't even know what okay. they freaking sell. But, uh, but I'm assuming there was an audience for them. They were fairly successful back in the days. Um, I know at one point they were very much more. It's like popular. everything. It's like the Gap. It's like right, uh, like uh, but, Old Navy. It's like all these um, stores, Banana Republic. I mean, you have a lot of. Um, stores that back in the days you go to a mall and you go to a j crew store or you go to uh, no i understand but i just <sighs> to me is the there main anything thing, special about j crew no i mean it's no different than lauren taylor neiman marcus having macy's um nordstrom all the stores that are anchors that used to be like the anchor of a shopping mall that we discussed and they are like you have a shopping mall with like maybe a a, a cross shape and you have the four anchors and then you have every other store out there and uh, even J.C. Penny stuff. I mean, those are stores that they had a whole, uh, a lot of years of success. But it's just that they are like they don't adapt, and it's the key. They I mean, had success because they had valuable real estate, and there was no alternative. Right. Basically, all these retailers, like a Neiman Marcus, succeeded because if you wanted the types of higher end clothing and bags and all types of stuff that they sell at Neiman Marcus, there's not that many sellers of it. Now you can get all that stuff online. Exactly. And it's like, but so is anybody going to miss a Neiman Marcus? But is what anybody going to miss J. Crew? Uh, I mean, we know this. I mean, when those stores did not worry about having an online presence because the whole marketing was based on driving people to the store, all the catalogs, the printed catalogs, they send it to your home, they have these coupons and all that stuff. You go there to feel on touch and buy and all that stuff. And they never made the leap to to online until they start until it's too late. And now this situation has actually made it even more of a pandemic for them because it's like, okay, before we had at least the traditional shopper that says, okay, yeah, I get online on Amazons and all these sort of things, or even my own online presence like NeimanMarcus.com or something. But I still have the people that look online, come to the store, buy at the store. So they justified it. Now there's no option for people to to go to the store. So they're already buying online, which is, and then once they buy online, they have tons of options because people are savvy. They can start shopping around and saying, oh, I can buy this cheaper. Or I can find, I can price shop. And then Amazon is going to beat into a punch. So, so it, it's just very difficult. That's what it shows there. I mean, if you look at the, uh, the only stores that are doing well are basically grocery stores because people are still need to buy food, but gas stations, obviously nobody's driving, they're down, department stores are down, sporting goods and hobbies are down, restaurants are even, uh, clothing stores specifically. I think sporting good retailers are down, but online they're doing amazing. Because everybody's buying yeah. home gym. Non-store online, yeah. But uh, when you look at this, is basically uh, consumer spending in general. So uh, people are buying more essential stuff, you know. So, um, and, and on that end, I remember last week, we, we kind of talked about restaurants for quite a bit. And now um, Starbucks, actually, which is not quite a restaurant, but I was, you know, in the restaurant category, 
uh, as much as they are not officially closed, I mean, yeah, they closed a bunch of stores. The, the ones that don't have a drive-through are basically closed. No, but even um, a lot of the ones with drive-throughs are closed. Yeah, they basically selected based on traffic areas, yeah. you know, which ones to close. But the ones that stay open, they're they're pretty busy. I mean, obviously, it doesn't take much to have three, four cars lined up and look like they are busy. I mean, when you have a drive-through, it's not that you have four customers in line. You imagine those four, those four customers in line at the store, that means four cars outside. And when you have five or six customers online, that's six, seven cars, and that looks, oh my God, these guys are busy. And they are busy with the, with the drive-through, but they have only one person giving you the drinks, and they have all the team making the drinks. The bottom line is that they are also, uh, they've lost about close to a billion dollars in the last quarter, or, or basically since the pandemic. Um, they lost or they? In revenue. Okay. okay. No, they didn't lose. They lost okay. revenue that they normally compare year over year. Right. So they're also in a situation where they are ask, actually asking the um, landlords of the space that they rent or lease uh, for more uh, lenient terms. I mean, they're not saying we're not paying or anything. They've been paying all the way. Yeah, I mean, I think uh, Starbucks just basically, will be fine. Yeah, Obviously, just, it's going to hurt like everything, like everybody, but right. they'll, they're not going anywhere. They'll no, they're fine. not going anywhere, and they will reopen as soon as everything starts reopening and having all the social distancing and all the, all the protocols and everything in place. But they are, they're actually they're already asking their landlords to be a little more lenient with their terms over the next 12 months to giving a little more of a breather as far as how they pay and all that, which is normal, but it tells you that nobody's safe. I mean, everybody needs to plan. And that's a store that actually, or a, or a company that has done fairly well as far as keeping up with the fluctuations of, of this pandemic and the rules and the lockdowns and the different states and counties doing this. So um, moving on, um, there was something about Facebook that you were telling me about um, in terms of um, being required to pay um, yeah, yeah, affiliate yeah. or advertising revenues to media companies. And I'd never even heard about that. And you said that. that well, okay. So Facebook, well, there's different things. So Facebook, it kind of all stems back to years ago. If you remember the, uh, it happened with the Facebook views scandal. Remember that? Yeah. Mm -hmm. They were inflating the views. Um, and so what they started doing, this is years ago, they started partnering with media companies uh, and doing revenue share agreements uh, with like all, all types of media companies. Um, but the media companies are basically saying, well, the money we get is not enough. It's very little. Uh, and that Facebook just keeps most of it. Um, and that Facebook should have to pay a significant amount of the ad revenue that they generate to in this case, it was the New York Times that was saying this, mm. uh, that, that, hey, us New York Times should get a significant amount of the ad revenue uh, because, you know, we are generating content for Facebook. Facebook doesn't generate any content. Uh, and in Australia, they passed a law that basically put into place that now Facebook and Google and other aggregators are required to pay certain cuts of the advertising revenue they generate to these media companies. I think is ridiculous. I think the New York Times, another company that was complaining about this was BuzzFeed saying, oh, we don't get enough revenue. Oh, you know, we had to make layoffs and Facebook has been totally fine and making so, more money me, with advertising. Let me uh, clarify this for everybody and for myself first. Um, so Facebook, let's say that any user, because it's basically Facebook is user-generated content. Right. Any user. Right. Facebook doesn't make content. Right. It's so any users. user, any Facebook user uh, decides to post a link to an article from the New York Times and so, says, hey, I can't believe I read this or something to 
his friends, his so newsfeed, So in the same way that YouTube has AdSense, mm -hmm. and if you upload a YouTube video, you basically get 45% of the ad revenue that your video generates. Yeah, but that's for the, that's for the user. If I have an AdSense account. Right. So if you upload on YouTube, right, YouTubers, how it works, they upload their videos and then all those ads bef that you see pre-roll, mid-roll, whatever, right? That's basically split. If Google or YouTube takes 55% and the other 45% goes to the YouTuber, the uploader, right, basically. Right. And so account. now they're trying to do a very similar agreement to Facebook, uh, but they not even just for videos, but for articles, for But everything. who gets the money? Um, they, well, they, Facebook obviously gets all the money because but that's when you run, obviously you run Facebook ads through Facebook's platform and they're trying to basically say that New York Times generates a ton of content for Facebook and that Facebook should pay them for that content. And that's what this law was putting in place. I don't know all of the minutiae of exactly okay. how it works, but the idea is that Facebook generates tens do they generate hundreds, ten, definitely tens of billions uh, yeah. in ads revenue and that they need to well, start the, the giving large right chunks of that to media companies and that it's Facebook's fault that media companies started failing and that they need to pay the price. And I think it's just a bullshit excuse. You know, if BuzzFeed is going to complain that the revenue share agreements that they have with Facebook aren't good enough, <clears> well, BuzzFeed, change your business model then. Well, I, I, think, you... I think that's very, I mean, I'm not, I, I will never defend Facebook. But uh, in this case, I think this whole ruling is kind of very hard to a, enforce. And by the way, uh, implement. they don't talk about the fact that tons of the traffic that right. BuzzFeed and all these places get is from Facebook. Exactly. That's and my so point. If, you, if Facebook were just to say, which may very well happen in Australia. Fuck it. We're not going to do this. Right. So you guys, we're just going to remove you from the platform. So no more BuzzFeed in Australia. Right. Well, guess what? BuzzFeed is going to lose a ton exactly. of traffic. That's what I'm if I post an article to the New York Times or, or from the New York Times that is something interesting I want to share with my friends and family and followers on my own personal account, I'm driving freely a lot of traffic to New York Times. Not, not even just users, just the companies themselves. Right. BuzzFeed puts all their articles on Facebook, right. all their articles on Twitter, well, all that, these platforms, right. their distribution platforms. It's like Facebook is free. So Facebook would say, yeah, we're going to pay you that, but now because you're a company instead of an individual, we're going to charge you to be on our platform for free. <laughs> I mean... I think, I, I just think it's excuse making. Yeah. I think, yeah. That, hey, BuzzFeed, you want to make more money? How about you make better content? I, I'd be interested to see how that happens in Australia because usually when it happens in one country, then other countries start saying, we're going to do the same. Yeah, and, but uh, Australia is always a very, a, a country that does a lot of stupid stuff uh, <laughs> that they don't think through. Uh, they've done it many times. They did it recently with a uh, copyright law that yeah. was absolutely ridiculous. And even Europe who you know Europe is very pro-regulation. Yeah, yeah. I heard European officials saying, yeah, that law is fucking crazy, Australia. I don't know what they're thinking. So um, I would take Australia's laws with a grain of salt because they love to just throw regulations at everything. Um, but I think New York Times, BuzzFeed, all these places that are complaining, it's like change your business model. And New York Times has, by the way, okay? I mean, they charge for their articles much more. They put paywalls on everything now. They have very few free articles these days and they make a lot of money from subscriptions. So New York Times is one of the few that has actually been able to adapt and become very profitable in the mm -hmm. new internet age. But this idea that it was Facebook that brought them down is ridiculous. It's yeah. like, no, you guys didn't adapt with the times, whether it was Facebook or whether it was Google or some other internet company or bloggers or Twitter, independent journalists. Yeah, that's just it's, it's that you guys didn't adapt. That's why. Yeah, I failed. mean, Facebook gives you a platform to basically publish anything you want. And now you're going to ask him, oh, thank you for the platform. 
but now we want to go so we paid for the free space you're giving us i mean that that's just doesn't that's and the, score. the the truth is because they already did this with google news previously right where google news had to uh i forget the exact stipulations but google news had to start uh, they, they wanted Google to do some very specific thing that Google said they weren't going to do. And so Google ended up removing a bunch of publications from Google News and their traffic dropped out of the fucking stratosphere. Right, and, and Apple News had the and same And they wanted theme. them to reverse it. Apple, when you go to your iPhone, to your news, they curate... Well, Apple News is a bit different. So it's, it's a different model, obviously. But Apple does actually what they want right. Facebook to do. Apple splits revenue 50-50 with the publishers. Right. Um, not, but a lot of publishers but, are not on Apple News. Right. Because they don't generate enough in subscription revenue. Right. But they also, uh, you know, when I go to Apple News and I see an article for the New York Times, I have maybe two, three articles a month or something like that to see right. the rest of right, my money New to York be a Times. subscriber. So I'm just driving, they're just driving traffic. Right. And then you decide whether you want to subscribe or not, because whether you come from Apple or any other source or Facebook, the New York Times has a limited number of articles per month that you can watch or you can read. And then they ask you to subscribe, which is, like we said, is free traffic for them that otherwise they wouldn't get. So which in I turn allows them to get more advertisers and more click-throughs and everything else. I so, just think that there's so many, whether it's Katzenberg with Quibi yeah. or New York Times or BuzzFeed. Everybody's, or, trying it, to, everybody's uh, blowing smoke. Everybody's trying They're, to find any creative ways to squeeze advertising or revenue from here Nobody there. wants to take responsibility yeah. for their business failures and their lack of vision and lack of seeing that, oh, things are changing and we need to adapt. And they make every excuse in the book. They want to lobby. They want to regulate. It's no different than oil companies doing the same thing, trying to stop electric cars from happening. These media Who companies are doing the car. same Remember thing. That? <laughs> yes, they're doing the same thing. Speaking of adapting, we watched a movie um, two weeks ago, I think, that was um, straight to um, streaming release or something. Oh, that's right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We want to talk about it. That. Was, um, it was what was the movie that we watched? It was um, uh, Invisible Man. Invisible Man. Yeah. Yeah. It was a good movie, by the way. But this is one of the movies that they were trying to. Uh, obviously, with the movie theaters being uh, shut down now, and nobody can go to a movie, so who knows when we're going to be able to go to a movie theaters with which, which conditions and all that. They released the movie directly to streaming platforms and uh, obviously they were costing, I think it was like close to $20, like nineteen ninety five or something. Instead of the normal rental that you wait like three months, four months or something and you rent for like five ninety five on Apple or uh, Netflix obviously is free but they don't have the new releases but, uh, or even Amazon Prime or something. With this one you actually pay 20 but you can see the movie that is a theatrical release at the same time in lieu of going to a theater, obviously. So whether that is beneficial for the um, for the studios or not, it's kind of too soon to tell because obviously... It looks like it is. Well, I mean, there's two things there. Yeah, you pay $20. Um, if you go to the movies, you're going to spend easily $25, $30 just for two with, between the tickets and maybe popcorn or drink or something. Yeah, but the movie doesn't get any money from that. No, no I understand. I understand. I'm just talking for the studio. So, so the studio now is getting the movie to the public and then you have a family... So um, the, the breakdown, typically when a studio, uh, it depends on the movie, depends on the agreement. For bigger movies like a Star Wars, uh, Disney will negotiate bigger cuts. But for your typical movie, the box office split is 50-50 between the theater 
and the studio. Mm-hmm. And so basically the whole thing happened because Trolls 2, uh, that which was a universal movie, generated over a hundred million in basically rentals yeah. in, because it wasn't in the box Ooh, office. Yeah. But the difference is instead of keeping doing 50-50, they get 70%. Right. So the margin is much higher. Um, now, there's two questions. Number one, obviously everybody's in quarantine right now. So people are looking for content. Um, so did that boost the numbers? I'm sure it did. Uh, and number two is what will happen later on right. with the rental uh, market exactly. in the rental time. Will people still Because when movies are again? going to the theaters, you watch a movie in the theaters and then three months later you have it available but, on other sources for rent. Um, and now you already kind of rent it at a higher rate when it first is released then obviously you lose that rental business down the but road. we don't so, know that yet. Well, we don't know. That's why I said it's too soon. I mean, they, they need to have like a six-month span, and then you go into international distributions and sales and rentals and everything else. So it's, it's kind of a little soon to tell what's going to happen with this new business model, but they're actually looking into it to keep it. And that's, Right. That's basically the whole thing that happened was that Universal said, this is working really well. They released Invisible Man, and they released Trolls 2. Right. And both those movies did really, really well. And actually, they said we probably... In some cases, they were saying that the the rent the the at home streaming projections revenue it's, 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 was it's like higher a, than the box office projected revenue. Right. You said like so, a pay per view option where you say, okay, I'm gonna pay higher dollars, but I see it right now in my house. Right. But not even higher dollars because I mean, twenty bucks is not that. Well, much. higher than the normal rental. You could rent a yeah, movie. Yeah, of course, but in, you in also your, have to wait six Sure, months. exactly. So I mean, normally instead of waiting three months or whatever is the uh, release uh, window to rent it and rent it for like. Right. So Universal, you can watch. watch So Universal basically said, uh, in the future, even when theaters open up again, we're going to probably do a model of releasing at home and in theaters. And they said this without any deliberation with any of their movie theater partners. And so AMC got very upset and said, "What the hell?" And uh, AMC um, immediately announced that, okay, well, we're, never, we're not going to show any Universal movies anymore. We're done. We're cutting all ties with Universal. And then Harkins and Regal and all these other theaters basically followed suit because they said, okay, well, we're going to stick together. And so all the major movie theater chains said, okay, we're not going to show any Universal movies, which obviously, you know, Universal is the second largest studio in the world. Yeah, that's why I, I was surprised about that because I don't know how much leverage really... They don't. The they don't have leverage. Because, will have in this negotiation. Because guess what's also going to happen that hasn't happened yet is Disney is going to start releasing movies straight to Disney right. Plus for a premium. So if you have a Disney Plus subscription, you can pay uh, whatever, 15 bucks and go watch but, this movie. But, it's going to happen. Well, no, I understand. And but so what, they're going to now ban Disney, which owns Fox. And so now you're going to have Disney, Fox, Universal. What movies do you have? Because that's basically, well, they well, that's the, the thing. But not only that, I mean, m- people go to movies because they want. They don't go to AMC theaters because they say, oh, we're going to AMC theaters. They go right. because they want to see right. a particular movie. Right. And if that movie is not played at AMC theaters and it's at Harkins, they'll go to Harkins. And if it's not in Harkins and it's an independent movie that is an independent movie theater or something, they'll go to that independent movie theater. People, consumers dictate where people go. So if I want to watch a, mu- a movie and it's not in the theaters because AMC or Harkins, anybody's boycotting Universal, and I still want to watch some movie and I have it on streaming on Apple movies or Apple whatever for $20, it's like, should I just watch it on TV? It was the difference. I mean, uh, to me, that boycotting thing is like it has no no leverage. I mean, when you boycott something, it's because you want to pull some leverage and their force whole, an their, issue. Their hope of leverage is that... That people will demand to go that, to that. That basically a lot of people... This is the thing. 
I think consumer habits have changed because before it used to be, you know, 20 years ago, 15 years ago, that a lot of people would just say, hey, let's go see a movie. And then what's okay, what's showing now? And then right. go pick a movie. That still happens, but yeah. much more it's, oh, hey, I want to see this movie. Right. What? Let's go to the theater. But right. it's not the other way around. And so the leverage is that they're thinking, okay, well, all the people who say, hey, let's go see a movie. Well, now universal movies are not an option. Right. I think that leverage is gone. Even, even, but even the movie theaters are promoting all these loyalty forms and movie tickets online and buy these tickets online and all that stuff. And most of the times people even book or buy their tickets before going to a theater. They know what movie they want to watch. They see all the right. show times, buy the tickets. That's ticket. what I'm saying. Right. I, I'm saying that before it used to be, hey, let's go. it's a Saturday night. Let's go see a movie. Right. And then we'll decide what movie we watch. Yeah. Now, I don't think, I'm not saying that doesn't happen, but it's much more, hey, I want to go see this movie, this particular right. movie that's out in theaters right now. Um, and, and the other thing with the movie theater business that they're just kind of a lost cause is that I was, I was curious because movie theaters obviously are massive. They take up a ton of space, a ton of square footage. And so I was doing my own kind of research because I was curious of what is the re revenue per square foot of movie theaters? Uh, and it was oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I remember shockingly that. low, shockingly low. We're talking 40 to $60 in revenue per year per square foot. Compare that to a normal, uh, successful retailer. I mean, I'm not going to look at when I was looking, I was looking at the, at the, mo the highest in last year. I actually, I quizzed you. Do you remember which one was number one last year? I think year? I say Lululemon. It was Lululemon, 1300 something per square foot. I know. Yeah. Uh, Tiffany and co was up there. Apple, you know, those are big ones, but a normal retail store, obviously listen, it's, it's very much depends on location. Uh, right. Is it in a mall? Not in a mall. It's things like that. But a uh, moderately successful retail store will do, you know, uh, hundreds of dollars per square foot in revenue mm -hmm. per year. Somewhere between maybe 500 to 800 is a pretty I normal this range. Is, this is just our gross revenue. We're not... Right, this uh, is revenue. We're not adding the expenses so, to pay people or, or maintenance or anything. Right, well, revenue per square foot is how you kind of measure the success. No, I understand. I just tried to and clarify so, that is... To compare so people understand, a, a, a normal... Four to eight hundred is a pretty standard range for most retail stores. Mm -hmm. Obviously, like I said, it depends on location. There's a lot of variables, but that's pretty average across the country, especially in like malls and uh, suburbs and all that. Right. Movie theaters are forty to sixty, so they're about a, that ten percent of the revenue of your normal store. Right. And that's just because think about it. Okay, well, half the time the theaters are pretty empty. They have tons of re, re, uh, of. Uh, Score footage that's needed for yes. all these mega theaters. They rarely sell out other than opening weekends for mm -hmm. big major movies. During weekdays, it's pretty empty too. I mean, they just have a huge amount of space, but they can't just jack up the price of movie tickets much higher because people won't pay them. Well, and as we know, their business model is based on mostly concessions. I mean, it's, right. they it's don't make so all much. Concessions. Right. It's not, they don't make the, much, the money on, on projecting this movie or anything. They when make you pay, money when people buy The, the thing is that when people complain about the price of the concessions, and that's fair, right? Oh, 
five dollars for popcorn four dollars for a water yeah they have huge margin on that but really you're just compensating for the fact that the movie tickets are so cheap right because to and make it economical they would need to make movie tickets 50 bucks a and pop. you remember back in the days you were able to people start realizing okay a coke there is like five bucks i can buy my own kind of coke for 50 cents you know and, and so people used to bring their own outside drinks and right, food and then they started clamping down on that and saying oh sorry no outside drinks no outside that no coffee nothing so so the crux of it all is just movie theater business and it's by its very nature of the fact that it needs a ton of real estate it needs a ton of square footage to make it work because it's theaters and it is hard <clears throat> to generate enough revenue per square foot to make it economically but the, viable the, the interesting thing is that uh, over the past few years all movie theaters have been reinventing themselves the major ones at least into making more of a pleasant experience almost the opposite of the airlines they've expanded the seats they made it reclinable you have your unrest you have a more of a like you're at home in your reclining chair watching a movie and then you can even you know, some of them order some food that is more of a real food and all that try to know, make it uh, like a none of that is going to solve the problem no 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 exactly it's not going to solve that problem but my point is that they invested so much into kind of reinventing their their the movie going experience and now this coronavirus pandemic and side effects or lasting effects with social distancing and rules and face masks and all that stuff are going to say, I'm not going to go to a movie theater and be, you know, first of all, it's, it's, they're even going to lose more money. They need to leave like one or two spaces in between seats for people, which no, is what they're up yeah, no, Right, exactly. Well, but that's, that's basically the, the, the conditions. Then concessions are going to have to be very, very limited. And then when you go to a movie theater, you go outside, you're going to have to wear a mask. And who wants to be in a movie theater for two hours and wearing a mask, uh, watching a I movie? Mean, let's put it very simply. <clears throat> Last year, no coronavirus, nothing, was the best year in a decade for movie theaters. Movie theaters did really well. There were a lot of big movies that came out last year. You had a Star Wars movie. You had Avengers. You had a lot of smaller right. movies like Parasite and lots of good movies that came out. It was just a good movie year. So movie theaters had their best year in a decade last year. Okay, AMC still lost money. They operated at a loss last year in their best year in a decade. Oh, and they have a ridiculous amount of debt. Mm -hmm. It's just, they're just not going to survive, honestly. I mean, <laughs> we're going to, the way, I was thinking about how theaters could survive because I like movie theaters. I like going to the movies. I'm a big, I'm a film buff, but I have to take my film butt hat off and put my, you can still watch movies, uh, my business hat on. I know, but there's movies that you want to see in a theater. I, I know, I know. Especially if you, if, I mean, if you are lucky or wealthy enough to have like a movie theater at home type thing with huge screens and yeah, all but that. That's I mean, not maybe that's people. more, but most people are just basically have a normal TV and they watch movies or maybe they don't even have, you know, Netflix and things like that. So I just think movie theaters need to be completely reimagined. I think having these like AMC 24s and like with 24, I just think that's way too many theaters. And I know that they do that because they want to split up so that they can have a ton of showings at any given time and a ton of different times so that people can come. Optional, there. yeah. But I just think the theaters are way too big. I think the theaters should be like two, three, four theaters most, and that's it. And mm. not mega theaters, just normal sized theaters. Yeah, I think I think movie theaters and and uh, as we said last week, uh, even. I mean, even even um, worse than restaurants and things like that, because restaurants we were talking about, you can have 
foot to go, curbside pickup, limited space, whatever. You know, we, we went through that last week. But movie theaters, is like you don't have a movie to go. Movie to go is basically what people have already with, with the Netflixes and all that stuff or downloading a movie or renting a movie or paying more for a movie that is straight onto streaming. So, uh, yeah, they're going to have to reinvent themselves. Um, now, moving on to another venue-based uh, business or businesses that uh, are also trying to find ways to reopen are all these sporting events. Uh, last weekend, we had the first live event that I can think of over the last two months or so, or basically since everything was canceled, was the UFC fight, um, which happened. Um, it was supposed to be in California. Then I think it happened in Florida. It was on Fox, and there were no there was no audience and then um all the people that were television uh you know broadcasters hosts guests fighters trainers everybody was tested multiple times it was totally um you know all the ufc uh protocols and everything else and it went fine at least for now uh but it was refreshing i think i think it was good to see that uh one of the sporting events at least decided to basically have some light tv it was interesting i don't think it was that bad to be honest i mean i watched a little bit i didn't watch it um but it is one of those like when you almost it felt a little bit like like the olympics sometimes or like when you watch a fight and there's not a whole lot of people let's say that you have two fighters there from two countries that nobody knows and nobody cares and and they have this kind of uh boxing ring but there's not a lot of people other than the first two rows with a journalist and the photographers and all that stuff. And you can hear the boxes and you can hear the trainers screaming and talking and all that stuff. So that's kind of the feeling that I had. Um, but you also lose a lot too without the crowd. Right. Because one of the big oh, yeah, things in course. fighting is like the entrance. Well, in every sporting event. And the, yeah. Yeah. the, the presentation, the, the introduction. The roar when someone gets a, good, a clean hit. Yeah. You know? So you miss a lot of that. Of um, course. Yeah, of I course. I think different do. sports are going to be differently but I think, affected. Uh, but you're so um, romantic about this old style. You're no, going to be of course. missing Obviously, all everybody that, has to know. make compromises. Right. So, so my point is that uh, in the next few weeks and months, uh, more sports are coming to the, the realization that they're going to have to do something if they want to continue. And even the NBA, that you are a big buff of that, um, they said, oh, no, we will not play without spectators. It's just not not possible. And now they're starting to say, well, you I know I don't what? think they ever said that, the NBA. Yeah, they did. I mean, all, some of the players and some of the... Uh, um, the NBA? The NBA never said that. They said they were going to actually... Before they canceled the season, they were going to start playing without spectators, and then they just closed the season altogether. Well, no, you have players like even LeBron saying, uh, I don't see myself playing without spectators. They're a critical part, blah, 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 all that stuff. So that was said in the beginning when it was like... That was in February. Well, nobody, that's what I'm saying. Yeah, of nobody's, course. Nobody's saying that now. Well, obviously, yeah, that's, my, that's the point I'm trying to make. When people thought, oh, well, we can be off for two months and then come back to play. Now is whether you play without spectators or you don't play at all, then obviously everybody's changing their tune. That's what is happening. Same thing happened with NASCAR, which now it's planning back they say okay we're gonna have a racetrack with no spectators then what's the purpose of nascar we like the people there otherwise it's like a winter testing with nobody shows up you know so now what i was trying to say is that most of the sports or if not all the sports are saying yeah we'll play without people soccer in europe the same thing the the german league was about to start if you weren't because one of the teams now had a lot of cases and then they kind of push it back but um ufc started last week uh nascar and golf are basically um planning on starting soon and then the nba is now having more specific talks about resuming the season and uh, the same thing with the nfl so far uh obviously that doesn't start until september october so they're still planning on on their normal season and then um mlb the same thing they have a plan and all that so um there's a, a very uh 
uh, I mean, uh, and there are sports like tennis. I mean, tennis has been like tennis without spectators is going to be incredible because you you kind of go like there's this yeah. echo and all that stuff. I mean, they're always quiet, anyways. Like golf, no, like but, golf definitely doesn't need spectators. But it's one thing to be quiet; another thing is to be empty. When you are in an empty stadium, well, uh, they probably wouldn't be playing in Arthur Ashe. They should just be playing on a normal tennis. Well, court. yeah, but because the echo and everything. I mean, these guys complain even when they hear the ball they they hear how the impact goes and all that yeah. stuff okay. yeah i mean wow. the, the bottom line is that roland garros the french open is supposed to happen in september i think it's right after the u.s open which is in new york is supposed to happen in the beginning of september i don't know if that's going to happen now or not no no question no no word on that wimbledon was already uh canceled and then you have um other events like um you know racing events that are uh formula one is supposed to start in July, and they're going to Austria, and they're going to have no spectators. Private track. It feels yeah, like a- racing is one where, like, I never even noticed the fans in F one. Honestly, well, you're because <clears throat> the, the the cars are much. Louder. Have you ever seen um, Monza or anything? <laughs> the podium ceremony. Yeah, but when they're when they're racing though, the no, actual no, race. No, you see, no. I, what the drivers will tell you, they can even hear the roar of the uh, of the spectators when they make passes and all that stuff. I mean, you're not a big race fan, but if you go, yeah. But I've watched a lot of F1, and I never pay attention to the fans. It's def- of all the sports, it's definitely one where the fans are the least important. I don't know why you say that, but um, uh, you've been to F1 races in Montreal and all that stuff, and you see how people are like fanatics there. I mean, I'm they, not saying people aren't fanatics, but I'm saying the crowd as well, an experience, as compared you, to like a basketball game, is way different. Well, it's different because you are. You barely even hear the crowd, and most of the time when they're racing through the course, there's nobody watching. It's only when they get to like the main straights and stuff that there's no, stands. No, what are you talking about? They're sold out in F1. I'm saying when you have, dude, when you have a course that's miles long, yeah, but every, there's not stands surrounding no, the whole thing. No, not dark. You have stands, whatever they're allowed to be having the stands for security or safety reasons, but they are packed. I mean, they have like 250,000 people. I'm not people. saying they're not packed, but I'm saying as when you're watching it on TV, the fans are, are a very tiny well, part of the experience. I, I think you're kind of... Um, over underestimating the importance of you only see the event maybe and you say okay well I'm watching on TV and then I see the fans on the stands right, but when that you're watching on TV we're but talking the whole, about the watching experience that's yeah, what we're but, talking about but it's, it's yeah. versus a sport because you don't really hear the fans that much when you're on watching it on TV uh, do you hear them cheering very much? yeah you can see it's not I mean it's not it, well there's two things that we need to separate one is when you're watching TV Another right. thing is when you are, yeah, you when you watch TV, you hear the fans. You hear the fans. I mean, it depends on, it's a loud sport to begin right, with. Right, that's what I'm saying. You know, so that's one thing. That doesn't mean that the fans don't affect the sport. The athletes themselves. I'm not ri- saying there's no effect, but I'm saying of <clears> all the sports, that's the one where I think they should, it was the So when you have, when you have NASCAR fans. or Richmond or, or, or any of these tracks that are like totally packed with NASCAR's everybody. NASCAR's a bit different, but even NASCAR, the cars are so loud. So will you have a Daytona uh, 500? Sure. With no spectators. Sure, they do the Daytona 24 hours and there's nobody there. No, that's different. 24 hours is an endurance race, so you don't I know, but have, it's the same track. And it's, yes, but it's different racing. I'm talking NASCAR. 24 hours is not NASCAR. Yeah, I mean, you can do it without fans. Okay, so you'll do Daytona 24 hours without fans. Yeah. You know how weird would that be? Everything's <laughs> going to be weird. I but know. Well, the cars, not, when you're watching on TV, it's the like cars... If I say, it's like if the, I say... What I'm saying is when you're watching on TV, the cars are so loud, you don't hear the fans. No, it doesn't matter how... I mean, yeah, it doesn't matter. I mean, it's like, okay, well, then you can have uh, football without fans. No. Or college football without the, fans. 
the football players don't make engine noises when they run. Okay, well, that'd be a little yeah, weird. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but my point is, in racing, you don't really hear the fans very much compared to most other sports. But it's not about hearing the fans; it's just seeing the fans. Even for the even for the viewer, if you're watching any sporting event, you're watching golf, of course, of and course. it's the final but of the guess Masters. What? Don't cut to fans. Okay, they have then. lots of shots in in these things where they cut to fans. Don't cut to f- yes. You don't okay, do that well now. that's what we, that's what, what we do, do. Cut to empty stands. No, that's what we do with the Finnish Suns that they have zero fans lately. Yeah, but that, I'm saying and they have the ties, the shots so tight that they want to show you the stands when the stands are half empty. Right, but I'm saying you can play, like okay, obviously it's going to be different. But of all the sports, I'm saying that racing. I think is one where the fans are the least a part of the ex- viewing. I think experience. you don't understand. I think I understand racing sports, uh, or racing and fans and sports. I think okay. uh, just because you don't hear the fans on TV because they over crank the volume of the engines versus the spectators. I mean, when you see in F1 uh, an Italian driver or a Ferrari uh, passing a McLaren or another car. I mean, you hear the fans roaring yes, over everything, okay. and they show There's you all the Ferrari cheering. fans and yeah. the Ferrari flags and the super red. You see the podium ceremony at Monza. I'm gonna pull it up here. It's like the president of fucking I'm Russia not is talking. That fans don't impact. That's not what okay, I'm saying. Well then, I'm saying that of all the sports, racing is where fans are like an afterthought versus other sports. No, where that's fans for are that's for you because you're experience. not a racer, but they are actually important. But anyways, let's just move on from that. What I'm saying is that all the sports are now trying to come back, and uh, and. Um, so, you being a basketball fan, how you feel about basketball coming, um, the playoffs, okay? We're watching now the Michael Jordan documentary yeah, it's and all that stuff. weird. I okay, mean, so how you feel about having the playoffs now where you have the final, let's say that is the Lakers and LeBron and all the stars against it. the Bucs and you have zero people on the stand? I still think they should do it. Right. Yeah, it'll be weird. It won't be as exciting, but they should still do it. Of course, yeah. I mean, I think they should still do it, but... How do you think that will affect the sport or moving forward, how, how these limitations Well, they're already talking about next season. Right. Playing the whole season with I know, no I know. fans. That's the thing. So That's what I'm saying that a lot of people, that was my point. It'll be weird. Yeah, of course. Um, but, you know, it's like anything. You kind of get used to it, you know. Like, I think it'll be similar to, uh, you know, I'm a fanatic, so I watch like summer league games. And in summer league games, a lot of times the stands are pretty empty. There's not a lot of people there. It depends on the game. Um, so you just hear more of the players kind of talking and the their shoes squeaking yeah, on the floor I and know. all that. Uh, so, yeah, it'll be weird. Obviously, it's not – no sport is going to be the same when you take out the fans, obviously. But, but my point but, is how do you think the sports will survive? I mean, well, well in the NBA's case, I mean, they make a ton of money from TV. Oh, uh, yes, they make a ton of money from TV revenue, but they also make a ton of money from ticket sales and yeah, merchandise course, sales and all that stuff. But it's better. Do you think they NBA can survive said, a whole season? NBA said that it's 60 40. 60% is TV revenue. And so, yes, they're going to be down 40, but it's better than being down 100%. So they're still going to do it. Um, and the team owners are going to be just happy? I mean, I don't know how the business model will change. You well, have the a team whole... owners get TV money. Yes, I know. But, but they, they also, also get... probably won't play in the mega stadiums if there's no fans. They'll just play on smaller courts. Right. Yeah, understood. So so the Suns are not going to play at uh, ASU um, basketball stadium? No, probably not there. Probably like practice courts. Okay. 
So uh, don't you think that's? But I don't know yet. I don't know. Right. So I mean, uh, my point is that the same thing with. I don't get your point. It was gonna be weird. Yeah, of course. But like. No, I'm talking about the business side of sports. How is that going to affect the business? We're talking about movie theaters surviving or not. Yeah, it's going to I'm talking them. about how... The NBA will be fine. NBA is one of the wealthiest leagues. NFL will be well, fine. Well, they were based on the existing model. But when it comes to re-signing... I mean, do you know how players get paid? Based on league revenues. No shit. Okay. No, it's all right. Understood. So, but so. yes, but of course. Okay, so players are, instead of making 15 million a year, they're going to make 10 a year. Okay, I'm sorry. That's life. You know, like, oh, you know, like, yeah, they'll be fine. The NBA is going to be fine. Uh, will the MLS be fine? I don't know. They probably don't have that much money to begin with. The the major leagues, what, you think NBA is going to go bankrupt? I mean, no, No, I'm not, not saying they're going to go bankrupt, but I'm saying they're going to have to start re- yeah, redoing it's gonna hurt their revenue. Yes, their it, business Like any models. other business... Yes, I don't care what business you are in, sports or no sports. You're used to making a hundred million a year, and all of a sudden they of say course. you're going to make only fifty, but you need to run the, f- the same show with the same players, and of you're course. paying them so yeah, much. Yeah, I mean, and you the have, NBA players, and you have multi-year contracts less. where you're supposed to pay LeBron fifty million. Yeah, it's like, but no. Okay, the, the salary the, caps and all that the stuff. The CBA, the, the the collective bargaining agreement is based on the revenues. revenue share and yes. they split the revenues so if the revenue goes down then the players get paid less too it's not that the players keep their same contracts and the owners lose a bunch of money well no. the players already have contracts in place so they're going to have to modify yeah, all those have, contracts they adjust them that's they have clauses in place for this stuff no they don't have clauses for pandemic. not for pandemic but <laughs> okay. for revenue loss yes they yeah. do okay. they do of course the nba can't assume that their revenue is going to go up forever they obviously have it in place for revenue loss they do I'm very curious to see how that's going to be solved because a lot of players are already saying that they weren't taking this money, that it's going to ruin everything. And No, the players are all saying well, that we of want to play. Of course, well, yeah, the bigger players want to play. And even, even I mean, all the players. They don't want, because if they don't play, they don't get paid. It's like everybody else. They're like, no, we want our money, so we want to play. So right. That's that simple. If, if you're an NBA player and you live this big, lavish lifestyle and you're expecting that $10 million check to come in and all of a sudden it doesn't, and there's and you have the option of, okay, play, no fans, but you get that $10 million check, they're going to do it. That's of the course, the players want to, but the owners are more in saying, okay, well, I don't feel safe because if I don't play, I don't have to pay. Now, if I'm going to have to play... No, the owners want to do it too. Yeah. They, lose, they make money. Like I said, 60% of the money comes from TV contracts. So they still get all that money. And that's assuming that TVs are still going to play those TV contracts because TVs are not. Yes. Okay. Especially <laughs> if NBA comes back and there's no sports. Oh, are you kidding me? Well, Everybody all the sports them. will come back. But TV revenues and TV advertising revenues are down just as much as everything else. But that's not the NBA's problem. They have contracts. Oh, so those contracts stay, but the players' contracts don't stay. You think the TVs and the advertisers are no, saying? No. The TV contracts, it's up to the... TV com- the no, I mean, media companies, companies to get their like advertising. ESPN has laid off a bunch of people right, because their advertising revenue went down. Right, they but it's have up anything. to them to bring in advertisers. Same it's, thing. Not, it's not the NBA's job to bring in advertisers. Oh, well, all I'm telling you is that uh, I know, and you probably know it well, that all these TV contracts have clauses too, and they're basically saying, yeah, this is based on certain viewership on games and right now we have no games it's so based, the advertisers it's not based on viewership it's based on games yes it's based on so games. as long as they play those games right so you don't think a million or nobody so, watches. so you're telling me that for this season 
the advertising revenue, the television yeah, advertising revenue. Yeah, so for revenue. this season, it, there's, okay. they're going to get still paid. They, that's why the whole thing so is... So this season, the whole advertising revenue from TV contracts is being paid in full, regardless of what the, the season is. Yes. Yeah. It's in full. You know that for a fact. They just have to meet a certain requirement, yes. What is the requirement? 70 games. Yeah, well, we're not there yet. That's what they're going to finish. That's the what they want. The whole thing is they're right. going to finish the so season. So what if there is no season then? Uh, if there's no season, then it's different. Well, right now, but we're if, not even close to 70 games. No, we are. No, we're not. Yeah. Well, how many games are left in the season? Uh, most teams only need to play like three, four games, and they'll hit 70. There are 65 or so? Yeah. We, we stopped right after the All-Star break. No, I mean, it was March. Playoffs start in April. There's uh, about Most teams have about 15 games left in their season. 15? 15. 15 to 20. Okay, well, that's not four or five. I thought you no, said... No, I said to hit 70. Okay. They basically, we're going to bring back the regular season, play four or five games, and then be done. Oh, so they're doing it just to fulfill their yeah, agreement. Oh, that makes a difference. Okay. Yeah, of course. Because you did it, oh, that's, they, the, that's the reason to come back. They wanted to basically no, make sure they, basically that they get the TV revenue. No, they were going to go straight to the playoffs and not yes, do regular okay, season. Okay, now that makes sense. Because and they, they realized, oh, we need to hit 70 games. Most teams right. are like 67 games in. Okay. So they're going to play like three now, four games. Now I understand. Yeah. So they need to play four games just so they get the TV revenue. Right. Okay. Right. All right, so that's a little bit of an interested reason for to come right. back. Right, so more basically than, my point is the contract. So, so ESPN's contract with the NBA, is it's based on games played. Right. It has nothing to do with viewership. ESPN's yeah. job is to bring in the viewers, bring in the advertisers. No, I understand that part. So but. next season, as long as the NBA plays their games, ESPN still has to pay in full. Now, maybe they're, it's kind of hurting ESPN, but they still have to pay in full. That's the contract. That's well, the thing. I'm sure there's going to be clauses on lawyers working on those contracts to change it because they're we'll going to see. Say, but that's the contract. The contract is not. Okay, I'm going to look into that because I'm very curious to see. That's not what I've games. heard. But if now this is some, now they understand what they play. They want to play four or five games just to fulfill the contract and be paid. Right, and no then obviously what. they want to do the playoffs <clears> because the playoffs is a huge money maker. The right. rights to the finals is a huge contract, and if they don't play the finals, they lose a bunch of money. So yeah. Okay, we'll see. All right, moving on. Um, the um by the way speaking of sports i mentioned to you before the podcast i had you pull up a clip you see mike tyson is coming back i know you mentioned that to me i think we have a yeah he's coming back for a for for charity he's or something. like 53 well i know but he's still up yeah well okay so i first so my first reaction when i heard this was he's like 53 what is he thinking and then if you're watching if you're listening just go to his instagram uh but look at this look at this yeah, he's he's uh he's a fucking killer still. Well, I mean, he he's always been he's always been like that, oh explosive. Dude, the thing with him now, I give a lot of credit to the dude taking those punches. Oh my god! Well, that's can you imagine if Mike misses. I I, I, I told you I, I worked out next to him. Not that yeah, I was working out with him, you but did. I worked out next to him at a local gym when he was training in Arizona. I don't think you ever told that story on the podcast. You no, should. no, no. But I was, uh, on, and I was stretching. I was doing martial arts, and he was doing this, and he was doing exactly like that, and he was next to me on the treadmill, and I was doing his prime. Imagine if he misses and clips your jaw or something. <laughs> You're gonna be fucking going straight to the hospital. Yeah. Um, anyways, I think uh, what he needs to work on is his uh, endurance. his endurance. Yeah, yeah. of course. Uh, his his strength and everything is there. But he's not. He's a short dude. I mean, he's stocky and but he's about five eight, five nine. I mean, he's not very big as 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 far as height. But yeah, he works on his endurance. I mean, he's doing it for a charity, so I think it's good. And it's, it's a good excuse for him to get in shape. But yeah, it'll be interesting to see. I can tell you how much money I've lost watching or paying pay per view with Mike Tyson. I. I 
Oh see, fuck! That was thing. that I was never, that's I never, why I never lived to see Tyson. So oh, I would I, love to see a Tyson. I saw. Live. I, I was a big Tyson heavyweight champion fan, and uh, I used to buy all those pay per views with Evander Holyfield. And they, wow. I, that's the other thing. And then the guy will knock out all his opponents in the first minute and a half, the first round, second round, and it's like, what the f? I I, I pay for all this. You know? They were saying that they might have a rematch. Hollyfield Tyson. Yeah, I'm not sure. I haven't seen. Holyfield. They have a Hollyfield Tyson rematch. I think Tyson I, needs I, to needs to reconstruct his ear yeah, first. Well, <laughs> I think I think that that pay per view is going to be massive. I mean, I don't care that they're old. I think everybody. I don't think they should be pay per view. I think they should just do well, like it's for uh, charity. That's the thing. Yeah, yeah. Okay, if it's for charity, that's a different reason. But they should just say, "Hey, this is for the fans." I'm buying that pay per view. I never got to see Tyson. I want to see Tyson fight. I don't know live. how hard it will go. Uh, Holyfield. If it's two professional boxers. Holyfield was fucking cut. He was like the most. You think Holyfield doesn't still have some resentment for his ear? He's like, I want to fucking beat. He's this very guy's religious, ass. man. He he. Uh, yeah, I know. I he, think they're both they're both reformed now. Yeah, they're both. Uh, I don't know. Anyways, um, so I think that's it, right? Anything else? No, I just kind of had a quick point. I I was reading before about um, colleges and universities and all that oh, stuff. Oh, that's and, a whole. That, that's do you a, want to a, say that for next week? Because I could go for an hour on colleges. All right, we can do that. I mean, the main thing is that, you know, California, oh, uh, it's all over the, the U.S. actually, but California has this unusual reopening um, rules and protocols that apply that the governor is applying, then the L.A. County has something else for beaches and all that stuff, and then uh, Fauci also testified before um, the Senate, I think it was yesterday or two days ago, um, about... You know, his concerns about reopening the economy, coronavirus, and all the stuff, saying that it's not going to be a solved issue. Yeah, but issue. the thing with Fauci is that he's supposed he's, to say that. He's not he, the I know, business I know. guy. No, I understand. He's not a business guy. He's just a, I think, a, a I, again, I, infectious I, I, I disease I said this expert. Last week. He's overcautious. Right. I, I think I said this last week. It's just at this point, you have to reopen things. No, no, I know. things are going to get really bad. Right, right. And I think, I don't think it's that, I think... If everybody kind of makes the concession of saying, all right, we all just got to wear masks. And if we go to a place where we're going to be touching stuff, wear gloves and have hand sanitizing stations in all the stores. If people just do that, well, yeah, it will st- slow the spread so much. Now, of course, there's I, I don't these guys are fucking morons when they're like masks are uh, tyrannical. But it's like, OK, dude. Yeah, I know. Like, I know. Come on. But the masks are much as much for you as they are for other people. That's right. It's thing. just a little more of an education thing. But, um, and, you know, at the end of the day, people will if do whatever they want to wear a mask and wash their hands more frequently. But it means the economy reopens and everything's back in shape. Isn't that a, a sacrifice everybody's willing to make? You can make a lot of analogies like everybody's speeding on the freeway or there's one speeder and everybody's obeying the speed limits or whatever, you know. But the main thing with the colleges, and we'll discuss that next week, too, um, is that uh, in California, basically, they decided to uh, have the whole fall semester online, which is right. kind of a So statement. if you're a USC student paying 40, 50 grand in tuition, are you going to say, why am I paying that if I'm right, just at right, home? Right, And paying for my Wi-Fi and being online all that stuff and using my own things. So, but it's true. It's, it's a long topic and um, I so absolutely we'll want to get into that. We'll talk about that next week. We'll, we'll definitely make a note for next week. Um, I think that that covers it for today. I'm not sure where we are on time, but um, I do need to get going too. So. About an hour in. That's why. I are had we? To, okay. Uh, yeah, that's fine. Um, all right. So any uh, any other stuff? Any other things? That's it. Okay. Well, that's good for me too. Uh, thanks, David, again for uh, joining me today. And uh, for everybody else, we'll be here next week. I'll be at a track tomorrow. You follow Instagram. Just uh, check out a few 
just that I will add and other than that have a safe and uh, great weekend okay bye bye everybody